Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. We're ill. We're all ill. And not just Jets Nation, but I mean the entire nation. Ill with the Mike White fever. It was like a new virus, a new pandemic. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody was prepared for it. And there sure as hell was no vaccine. Freaking Mike White fever gripping the nation. He showed up and out of nowhere comes in and electrified the entire country with that unbelievable come from behind win over the Bengals last week. So naturally, everybody last night was still on that bender. We were still on one, riding high, still high, going into last night's game. A chance to see this stud strut his stuff in prime time as the only game being played with the entire nation watching. How could that possibly get any better for the Jets? And it started out just fine with the double-digit dogs getting on the board to start the game with this. With each completion like that, he only gains confidence. Here's one to the end zone, wide open, Elijah Moore. And that is touchdown number one through the air for the rookie from Ole Miss. And what a nice answer by the Jets. Right? So far, so good. What a nice answer by the Jets. I mean, when something seems too good to be true, it always is. Except... Mike White. This dude is the truth. This dude is the savior. This dude hurt his forearm in the first quarter and then had to leave the game. And then every other Jet on both sides of the ball and on the sideline followed him right into the locker room and called it a night. Another absolutely embarrassing night for the Jets, their organization, and their fans. Because as great as that win over since he was on Sunday, that loss to Indy last night was just that bad. In fact, it was even worse. Like, if you were wondering what Mike Bleeping White means to that team, apparently, incredibly, the answer is everything. Like, I knew his teammates really liked him. I just had no idea how much. Apparently enough to just shut it down when he went down. Like, wait, what? Mikey can't go? Yeah, well, neither can we. Shut it down. Let's go home. Shut it down. Let's go home. In other words, you don't next man up Mike White. And you sure as hell don't next man up Mike White with Josh Johnson. Like, if we can't play with Mikey, we ain't playing at all. (laughs) Absurd, right? Wrong. Because that's exactly what happened. Like, don't get me wrong. I wasn't expecting the Jets to suddenly look like the 07 Patriots after that win on Sunday. However, I did not expect them to look like the 2021 Jags either. Now, you know how I killed the Jags and the Lions and the Texans for being garbage on Sunday? Yeah, well, the Jets were flat-out trash last night. After their savior went down... They went down 32 at one point. 32. I mean, that is so ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. No, not kind of ridiculous. Really ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. So ridiculous. Check that. Ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. That if I wasn't watching it and seeing it with my own two eyes, there's no way in hell I would have ever believed it. And per always, the only reason I was still watching it at that point is because they pay me to watch it. If I wasn't getting paid, there is no way I am watching that garbage, the Jets, down 32 in an actual regular season NFL game. Like, that can never happen, but it did. And again, can somebody please tell me why I continue to be subjected to the bullcrap and garbage that are the Jets and Giants on national TV in prime time. Why? Why? The hell are these two teams doing in my living room, much less every single week, ever? I feel like every time I sit down and I turn on my TV, either a Jets or a Giants game pops up. And honestly, it's sickening. Down 32 in an NFL game. Like, this is not an SEC team beating up on some FCS chump in a body bag game. This is two NFL teams 
allegedly. One of them losing by 32. And Jonathan Taylor was breaking off runs like this. Jonathan Taylor was making them look like he was a grown-ass man going up against a bunch of 12-year-old peewears. Hand off to Taylor. What a start for Taylor. Touchdown, Indianapolis. You get behind Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. Look at the push that they get. You get the double team and that kind of movement. You're going to have a heck of a night running the football. And so far, Indianapolis has. Obviously, they knew who they were going up against. You had that, and then you had this. Colts' first player on this drive is a handoff. Slipping through to the 30-40, down the right sideline. There goes Jonathan Tanner. 30-20-10, touchdown. 78 yards. Jonathan Taylor to the house, and the Colts have busted it open. The only thing I'm going to disagree with you there, Brandon, I think it was already busted open. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, John. Hey, Jonathan, don't get me wrong. Jonathan Taylor is a beast. This dude's an absolute stud. And you're likely rushing champ this season. I knew he'd be good, but I, I had no idea he'd be this good this fast. This guy is a stud. That said, let's not get it twisted. The Colts are not exactly world beaters. They've got talent. They've got potential. But even after last night, they still have a losing record. They have a losing record. And the Jets were losing to them by nearly five touchdowns. The Colts got the ball four times in the first half. They scored a touchdown all four times. Not only did the Jets not stop them, they didn't record a single sack. They didn't have a talk, tackle for a loss in the first half. Oh, and credit where credit is due. Credit to Carson Wentz for not chasing the worst INT ever from Sunday with another last night. Wentz, play fake, standing in the end zone. He's in trouble. He tries to left hand it out. It's Uh-oh. intercepted by Bolden. Touchdown! Tight! Wentz made a massive mistake! Hey, listen. If you're thinking that's gratuitous, if you're thinking that I was merely looking for a way to justify showing that pass again, you're damn right I was. And I've got no regrets. My only regret is that I did not show that play every single day this week. Because a play like that comes around once in a lifetime. And you sure as hell better celebrate it and appreciate it when it does. But I also played it for perspective. The perspective is this. The Jets were losing by 32 to a guy who had that in him. They were losing by 32 to a guy who did that. And that's after the Pats hung 54 on them in Week 7. So the Jets have given up 130 points in the last three games. 130 in the last three games. And I'm not going to say that it looked like they gave up last night, but it sure as hell looked like they gave up last night. Because while there is nothing worse than quitting in life, in sports, on any level, There is nothing worse than quitting, and especially in the NFL. There is nothing worse than quitting, but if they didn't quit and they really are that bad, then that's worse than quitting. There's nothing worse than quitting except trying and being that bad. Because trying and looking like that is worse than shutting it down. Man, you want to talk about a clown job. The Colts were clowning them so hard and so badly, they even worked in a fat guy touchdown. 100-plus scrimmage yards in six straight. Wentz wide open. Touchdown, Danny Pinter. It's not often that an offensive lineman gets out there. He sticks his hands up, and Carson's able to come back and get the ball to him. And the first career reception for Danny Pinter is a touchdown. Shout-out to Danny Pinter. Shout out to the New York Jets. If a rookie offensive guard scores a touchdown on you, then that is a sign that you just pack it in. Concede the game. Walk the hell off the field. There is nothing left to see or do here. Like, you can't have a game like that. That's the bottom line. You cannot have a game like that. Not in the NFL. Not if you have any pride. Not if you have a head coach who's made his bones on the defensive side of the ball. And check this for a stat. It's not just that the Colts ran it right down their throats and gashed them all night long. It's not just the Colts running for 260 yards last night. 
It's that they put 211 yards on them before contact. That is an insane stat. Not only are the Jets not tackling, they weren't even getting close to tackling. They're just out there standing around waiting for the Colts to score again so they could go sit down again. 211 yards rushing before contact. Incredible. How about Jets linebacker C.J. Mosley dropping this gem after the game? Quote, we were just as shocked as everybody else who was watching. My man. Dude, that is such an amazing quote. The thing is, though, Siege, no one watching was shocked. We all expected this because it's who y'all are and what y'all are all about. We had already seen New England hang 54 on you. We had already seen the Jets look totally unprepared. <clears throat> Undisciplined and had their faces broken more than once this season. So no, CJ, no one watching was shocked. We're shocked when it doesn't happen to y'all. This is the norm, not the exception. Stop acting like this was some sort of one-off, some sort of aberration, some sort of anomaly. This is exactly who you all are. Of course you imploded after a nice win last week. That is who you are. That's what you do. You're the Jets. J-E-T-S. Tank, tank, tank. Hey, remember when the Jets, this is so rich to me, remember when the Jets players were allegedly so pissed off that the Pats ran it up on them? Remember? That was hilarious then, and it's even funnier right now. Grown men pissed that a team allegedly ran it up on them and then they come out again, and they give up 45. That same group that was so enraged that somebody disrespected them and the game by running it up on them, and then they chase that, and they give up 45, including a fat guy TD. <laughs> now, here's the good news. The Jets do expect Mike White to be ready for their next game. That's the good news. Bad news is, dude can't play linebacker or DB or D-line, or safety. Like, this team at this point is not just a bad team. They're like a contraction team. Like, the league should just shut them down. Like, that's, that's enough. That's enough. You guys tried for a really long time. It just doesn't work. You're not good at your jobs. You're not good at football. Let's pull the plug, not on the season, but on the entire franchise. Shut that down. Let's go home. Move the 32nd team in the league back to St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis Jets. St. Louis. Or maybe in about 50 years when everybody has forgotten how hideous this really is, you can give the Jets another try. And if you can't get that moving trucks to Jet Stadium stat, then what I would do is start giving Joe Flacco some reps. Hey! And middle linebacker. Hey, Joe. Yeah, hey, hey coach. What am I doing in here in the linebacker room? Good news, franchise. You're starting next Sunday. In fact, you are our team captain. Yeah, well, about damn time. I'll have this offense purring. I will. I'm no, going to. No, no, no. Not offense, moron. You are still fourth string behind Josh Johnson, a banged-up Mike White, and Zach Wilson on one leg. That's where you are. But you are the Mike when we play the Bills next week. Get that green dot. Get yourself ready. Get on the practice field because that tackling sled ain't moving itself, Joseph. Hey! Hey! Hey, listen up. When you want to find amazing rates organize your finances, or simply make smarter money decisions, LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. You can monitor your credit score. You can explore ways to improve your credit. You can get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can help make sure that you are getting your very best deal. 
on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. Plus, LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights in to help you save money and reach all your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off a debt, buy a home, build credit, or simply make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. And best of all, there are no subscriptions, there are no fees, there is no hassle. Just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. So download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. Then see why thousands, thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. Peter DeBoer is my guest. Peter, good to have you back. How are you? Great, Jim. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. So yesterday was an enormous day for the organization. There are a number of places, Peter, where I could start, but why don't we start with the result last night? You beat Ottawa 5-1 in their place in a game where you scored three straight in the second to take a commanding lead. What did you make of how the team showed up last night and what you saw from them? Well, we were real happy with our game last night, Jim. We we went on the road, uh, started in Toronto uh, three nights ago, uh, really laid an egg, didn't play very well, wanted to respond. Uh, we knew how important this road trip was. We're dealing with a, a ton of injuries right now to key people, and we really had to deep to keep ourselves relevant until we get some of these guys back, and uh, I thought the guys uh, did exactly that last night. Had, had a great game on the road against a tough Ottawa team, and now it's on to Montreal. Right. I was going to ask you about the injuries and the adversity early on. One more thought about last night. Like, it's easy to focus on the offensive explosion in that second period, but how big was Robin Leonard in goal for you early on to keep it scoreless and get you off to a good start? Yeah, he was great. I, you know, with with some of the stuff we're dealing with, uh, the one place we're healthy is in net. And uh, we've got two elite goalies there, and Robin's obviously our starter uh, facing his old team in in Ottawa, he played there uh, to start his career. So, uh, you know, the analytics showed he always played well in that building, and he was motivated. And uh, I thought he was our best player. Peter DeBoer is joining us. All right, of course, the other big news of the day was the trade with Buffalo for Jack Eichel. I know there's going to be some time before he actually does get onto the ice physically for you. But what was your reaction to the trade? Well, as a coach, you're you're uh, very excited. I mean, uh, you're adding, you know, one of probably ten centermen in the world that uh, are game-changing type players, and you know those guys don't become available, and they sure don't become available at 24 or 25. So uh, in his prime, um, so you know the reason that he was available is because of the injuries dealing with. Uh, so we knew we were going to have to take that on in the time frame to, to get him rehabbed and, and back. Um, but it was in my mind, well worth the, the gamble and the price uh, because uh, when we get him back healthy, uh, he's a game changer. Peter DeBoer is my guest. What we're talking about, for those who don't know Peter, he's got a neck injury and surgery coming up shortly. You mentioned time frame. Do you have a sense as to what that time frame might be and when he might be available? You know what, Jim? I, I don't. Uh, everything I'm hearing is three to four months. Um, you know, he's getting a disc replacement in his neck, which is uh, something that uh, isn't typical for hockey players. I'm not even sure there, there has been one done on, on a hockey player. Uh, and come back and play, although there has been in other sports. So I think everyone's really confident that, uh, you know, that he's going to get fully recovered from this, but uh, the exact time frame we're not sure of. Peter, I'm going to put you on hold very quickly because we have an issue with the connection. You're breaking up a little bit. Let me see if I can fix that. Peter DeBoer is joining us. He is the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. They're 5-5. Five and five. They're at Montreal tomorrow. And we're talking about the deal for Jack Eichel, 25 years of age. He's got neck injury. Thank you, Alvin. And impending surgery. So I want to see if we can reset that connection and do that the right way. Meantime, if there's something that you do want to talk about, Take advantage. Use the phones. It's only a two-interview day, as it is every single Friday. I would love to get you up in here. And I do appreciate you clones being as eager to get to that Saturday night burger as I am. 
And we are joined once again by Peter DeBoer. Peter, I appreciate your patience. Thanks for doing that. You were talking about the time frame uh, about Jack Eichel's surgery and where that's at. You know, let me let me ask you this. When you're around an organization for a short period of time, it's never about, or this organization has never been shy to make that big move, to take that big swing. What does this particular move say about how badly everybody in the organization wants to win and how committed they are? Well, it says everything. Uh, you know, I, I think it, what should have been a precursor to this was when uh, Bill Foley, our owner, uh, uh, stood up on, on uh, at expansion day and uh, stated that he wanted a Stanley Cup, I believe, within six years, which, you know, a lot of people in, in pro sports scoffed at. Um, you know, he was probably the one guy that actually believed it. And, uh, you know, they've been to a final, they've been to two conference finals, and you know, hopefully we'll be knocking on the door again this year and and in years to come. So, um, you know, I, I think he he stated uh, what the uh, franchise's mentality was going to be on day one uh, of the expansion draft, and uh, you know he's followed through with every decision they've made. It's it's been uh, in order to move that needle towards winning a Stanley Cup. Listen, as a head coach, that's all you can ask for. As players, that's all you can ask for. As fans, that's all you can ask for. An owner who is all in and totally committed. You are now 5-5, five and five, Peter, but the fact is, it was not that long ago the team was sitting at 1-4 and four on the season. Injuries, as you and I talked about, obviously played a role in that. But you weren't looking to make any excuses. In fact, you said, are we a 1-4 team that's going to miss the playoffs? I'm going to say we're not, end of quote. So the guys you had and the guys were going to come back from injury are starting to, what did they let you know that made you feel that confident that, listen, this is a tough start, but we're going to be fine. In fact, we'll be better than fine. Well, I've been on two long playoff runs with this group, uh, both both to the conference final, the third round, knocking on the, the door of the Stanley Cup final. So I, I knew the character in the room and the veteran leadership. I, I knew we were just uh, having a tough start, uh, you know, partly due to our own doing, partly due to some unforeseen circumstances with injuries. But I had full confidence that we'd dig ourselves out, and we're starting to do that. Well, so you went on the road, and you went to Colorado. Guys were tired in the third period. They kept grinding. They found a way to get a win. But then, above and beyond that, you head to the airport. You go to Dallas, where you were playing less than 24 hours later, but there were travel issues, so you had to go back to the hotel. You didn't arrive in Dallas until roughly four hours before the start of the game, and you still won that game. I'm curious, what was that travel experience like, and then how impressed were you with the grit your guys showed? Yeah, the travel experience was was something that I haven't dealt a lot with, especially, you know, usually it's weather-related or or something turns you back. Uh, This ended up being the the pilots had timed out and, and, uh, and couldn't make the trip to Dallas. So we turned around and, um, you know, by time we figured out where we were going to stay that night and, and got back to the airport the next day, uh, we essentially were just rolling right into the to game time in Dallas. And in that game, we were actually, uh, behind with, uh, less than a minute to play and pulled the goalie, tied it up late and won in overtime. So it showed a lot of character, a lot of guts, um, and uh, have kind of built on that. I was going to say, Peter, you were trailing with over a minute to go. You tie it up. You go to OT. You win it in OT. I, I mean, maybe time will tell. But do you feel like that might be a game that in a few months you look back on and say that was a defining moment for this season? I, I think that trip probably could be, Jim. Um, you know, going to Colorado against the President's Trophy uh, winning team from the year before, the best team in hockey during the regular season in, in Colorado, and and Nathan McKinnon, and uh, and then a back-to-back with Dallas with all the di- issues we dealt with. Uh, you know, we were staring straight at uh, potentially a one-and-six start or one-and-seven start, and, and maybe a hole that uh, is really tough to get out of. So. Uh, it, it was a, it was definitely a, an important uh, moment for our team, and we'll see if it was a defining moment. Right. You're back to 500, and now you've got Montreal tomorrow night. I'm curious, what is your message to your team as you get ready for that game? Well, we want to build on the Ottawa game. It was probably our best game of the season. Uh, 1-5-1 last night, played a really solid game, really solid 60 minutes. Uh, the young guys we've got in for our injured players, uh, I thought, really took a step. So we just want to build on that. 
He is the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, second full season with Vegas, and they are 5-5. Five and five. They're at Montreal tomorrow night. Peter DeBoer is the head coach there. Peter, I appreciate you and the conversation. As always, good luck. Hopefully we can do it again soon. I appreciate that. Anytime, Jim. Thanks. Clones, what do we do when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Let me answer that by telling you what we don't do. We don't reach for a bar or a sugary snack or an energy drink. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where is the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Nope. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Old Trapper is in a clear view bag so you can see the quality you're buying. So look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? So the thing that's been inevitable since the trade deadline is happening. The Browns are going to release Odell Beckham Jr. This much we know. And to me, that's good. That's a good thing. Not a moment too soon. I feel like I just had a ton of weight lifted off my back. I feel like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm exhausted by this story. And I've got nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with me. I'm not there. And I'm just relieved that this is finally coming to an end. Like, you know Bridges have been totally torched and relationships totally wrecked when the team keeps telling their star receiver not to bother coming to practice. Don't come. Don't come to practice. You are, quote, excused. And they're telling him that in the days leading up to a critical divisional game. They're telling their star receiver, don't come to practice when arguably the entire season hangs in the balance. Maybe. So when that happens, don't bother coming to practice is typically followed up with don't bother coming to the facility. But do bother returning your iPad. This guy wanted a trade. They could not trade him. And then it got ugly. Really ugly, really quickly. Beckham getting released is never what I expected when he first arrived there. But it's the best thing that could happen right now to everybody involved. In fact, it's the best thing that could happen right now to everybody not involved. Because that's how old that story got. Old, tedious, and boring. And actually pretty weird. Pretty weird. Except nobody thought so other than me. The thing that is so weird to me is that nobody seems to think it's weird that ODB Jr.'s dad, ODB Sr., rushed to Instagram with an 11-minute video killing Baker Mayfield. It is so weird to me that nobody thinks that's weird. I mean, is that where we are in 2021? That not only a 29-year-old star athlete's dad is posting on social media, taking up for his grown-ass man-kid by posting a video clowning the former first pick overall. Not only did that happen, but nobody even thinks it's weird that it happened. That's the weirdest thing of all to me, that nobody thinks that's weird, that that's just Wednesday or Tuesday. Like, I didn't see Deshaun Jackson's dad or mom post a video killing Matthew Stafford when the Rams Rams cut him, although that would have been awesome. And not that he would because Stafford's playing lights out. But my point is, I didn't see that happen. I don't remember Jerry Rice's dad killing Joe Montana for not getting him the ball. I don't remember T.O.'s parents taking a run at Donovan McNabb. So the only thing more bizarre to me than Odell's dad going in on Mayfield on social is that nobody thinks it's weird.
I mean, what a bleeping world that this is. Anyway, plenty of blame to go around. Normally, the fact that a receiver with 17 receptions in six games is getting released, normally that's not news. That's what happens to guys with 17 receptions in six games. They can't stay on the field. They get released. The guy has fewer receptions than Jacksonville's Jamal Agnew. He has fewer touchdowns than the Colts' offensive lineman who scored last night. So plenty of blame to go around. Well, except a team ODB, which clearly thinks that it's everybody else's fault, so they want it out. Like if that was the plan. If that was the plan from Beckham's senior and junior, then it worked. A little bit different than James Harden going James Larden in Houston. Or Ben Simmons doing whatever the hell it is Ben Simmons is doing right now in Philadelphia. And by the way, they're playing really well. But if Beckham had a plan to get out of Cleveland, it worked. So congrats on that, I guess. So now everybody can start Photoshopping Beckham into their favorite jersey of their choice. Where does the guy end up? New Orleans, Las Vegas, Green Bay, hell, Tampa, everybody else ends up there. The Giants even. Or no, you know, better yet, you know it would be great? The Lions. The Lions would all be awesome. Problem is, if he passes through waivers, he can go wherever the hell he wants. And why would he go there? But that would be great. It would be great if they were to claim him, right? I mean, he's got to pass through waivers in order to go where he wants. But what if Detroit did jump up and claim him? How hilarious would that be? (laughs) You wanted out of Cleveland. Welcome to Detroit. Be careful what you wish for, big dog. Here's the other question. Depending on your point of view, do you really want this guy right now? Do you really want this guy at this point of his career? He's not the player that he was in his first three seasons with New York. We know that. Not even close. Can't stay on the field. And if things don't go his way, we've seen his act. Better yet, if things don't go his way, we've seen his dad's act. If he's not on the same page with his quarterback, Pops is going to rush to Instagram and release some full-length film clowning the guy who is not getting his son the ball. And then on top of that, LeBron is going to rush in. And LeBron will thumb out a tweet like, free ODB. As ODB torches another bridge and tries to take the football and go home. So my question is, is this guy worth this at this point? Now, you might try and argue he is. It just didn't work out. He was on the same page with Baker. Baker didn't like him. They didn't know how to use him. Uh, All right, I guess. But it didn't work out in New York either. So it didn't work out in New York, and it didn't work out in Cleveland. And now the guy's 29, and now he's not the same player he was, and he can't stay on the field. He's been banged up. He has not been himself since 2019, and really even before that. And then there's the report from Mike Garofalo from an anonymous Browns player saying, quote, he does nothing. He talks to no one. He's just got a malcontent attitude. All right, so that's an anonymous teammate who didn't have the courage to put his name to it. Maybe that teammate's got an ax to grind. I don't know. Yes, some of his teammates didn't go on record and say, we want this guy back. You know, if he's focused, if he wants to be here. But there's at least one anonymous dude that does not want him back and couldn't wait to find somebody to tell him that. So I'm no doctor. It seems to me he can still play. He can still make plays. He still has ability. He can still help somebody. And we know somebody will give him a chance. I just know this. That could not have gone any worse than it did. And he and his pops and LeBron could not have handled it any worse in the end. So know what you're getting if you bring this guy in. A guy with some ability, but not as much as before. A guy lacking in the same explosiveness that he had before. But a guy with ability. A guy with ability, 
but not as much as he had and his dad and LeBron and his phone. You're getting all that. So who ends up with that? Vegas would make sense. They would make sense. I'll tell you who else makes sense. The Saints. The Saints without Mike Thomas. You think maybe Sean Payton might want to get this guy in. I'll tell you what. You know who makes sense? Jacksonville. The Jags. Imagine if they were to claim him. He'd be like, oh, hell no. He's not talking to anybody in Cleveland. He obviously does not like his quarterback. Can you imagine him and his dad finding out that Jacksonville claimed him? Oh, hell no. Staying to see the grandkids. Pops would be up all night with his Final Cut or whatever software he uses doing a Jacksonville movie. He pushed that thing out so fast. Oh, hell no. Be like, hey, uh, yo, Kev. Get out of Dodge. Yeah, it's ODB. Hey, man, I ain't going anywhere. Well, uh, actually, you are. The Jags claimed you. Oh, hell no. Really? Because the Lions are next in line. Or maybe the Jets. He and Joe Flacco could sit in the linebacker room together. These guys can be the next purple people eaters or the next steel curtain. I will. I'm going to. So let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, dads, moms, login for all the good stuff. Yet, let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Billy Napier, he joins us. Billy, it's good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. I appreciate you covering the Raging Cajuns, man. I'll tell you what, Coach, it's great to have you back on, and I like talking about your program and your team. You beat Georgia State last night in a game where you fell behind 10 nothing. You scored 21 points in the final 18 minutes to win it 21-17. You did say there were some mistakes made. So what did it say about your guys that they found a way to get it done, and they got it done on a short week? I think it's a direct reflection of you know the program that we've built. Right, I think we've got uh, great relationships you know, within the organization, uh, especially amongst the players, a veteran group, I think that understands that you got to go earn the right to win, uh, but really show great poise, show great mental toughness, um, you know, playing through the ups and downs of the game, right? Many opportunities where they could have splintered last night, but I think uh, the most important thing we did is we stuck together. Billy Napier is joining us. You know, Billy, it seems to me you've won a lot of games like that. In fact, you're 14-3 and in one-score games since you took over as head coach of that team. I mean, some might try to make the argument that winning one-score games might be a matter of luck, but when you're 14-3 and in those games, I'd say that's a lot more skill or talent. What steps do you take to make sure that you guys play their best ball in the tightest situations? Well, it's part of our formula. You know, I think... Um, We've tried to put our football team together uh, and be strong in every area, right? Offense, defense, and game changers, as we call our special teams here. Um, knowing that, you know, you might not have your A game in one of those areas each week. You know, you need to play complementary football. Uh, we've hired really good people. You know, I think we have a tremendous staff. Uh, we work really hard in evaluation and recruitment uh, and try to get the right people in the building. You know, not only the staff, but the players. Uh, and I think that character uh, shows up, you know, when you get in those critical moments. Um, so 
you know, I'd like to think it's a product of a lot of hard work by a lot of really good people. Uh, certainly uh, fortunate. You know, not all those wins were pretty, but uh, I think there's something to be said for finding a way to win. You know, there's that, and I want to ask you something about this too. Like when you lay out that formula, when you lay out that approach, and you talk about how important it is to have the right people and uh, have all three facets of the game, it actually goes much deeper than that. I know for a fact that you said before the season you were talking about, quote, trying to think systematically in terms of all the different areas of the organization, all the way down to nutrition academics, training room, how we develop leadership and accountability, end of quote. Why was it so important to be that in-depth and that systematic about every single aspect? And then how does that show up on the field? Well, I think it's the key to sustaining, right? It's the key to building an organization. Um, I think it's, it's all about consistency, right? I think you got to continue to evolve. Um, certainly trying to improve every phase of our offseason, uh, every area of our organization. We do a lot of quality control. We're fortunate to be in year four. Uh, so we've been through these uh, our year-round plan to develop our team for the fourth time. So I think we're always evaluating what we could do better, uh, even independent of the results sometimes. Sometimes we get a really good result, but we know we could have done something better in-house, right? I'd like to think uh, we control the things that we can control, uh, and you got to be system oriented, right? I, I know a lot of people use the word process, but it's really about refining your systems in every uh, little area of what you do and how you do it. So, you know, we've hired good people, we give them ownership, uh, we work together to find solutions. Um, we certainly, you know, I think over time here, uh, proven that we've got a consistent football team. And I think it's a product of a lot of hard work. I like that. There's a system. There's a formula. There's consistency. There's an application to that. Louisiana's 8-1. and one. There's 6-0 no in conference. There are 24 in the AP poll. Bill, you have all those things, and you get yourself a really nice quarterback, too. That helps. Levi Lewis threw for nearly 300 yards in a TD last night. On Saturday against Texas State, he broke Jake Del Lome's record for career TD passes. What did you make of his play last night, and then what does he mean to the program overall? Well, he showed great resolve tonight. I mean, last night. You know, I just got done reviewing the tape. Um, man, he made some incredible plays there uh, when it mattered. You know, I mean, I think the guy's just, um, you know, I, I can't compliment him enough. You know, he's made himself an incredible player. Um, he's a product of his work. He's reaped what he sowed. Um, you know, he's been here with us from the very beginning. Uh, he's been a leader in our locker room. He sets a great example with his character, uh, the way he prepares. Um, you know, he's made me a better better man. He's made me a better coach. I can't compliment the guy any more than that. So, you know, Levi Lewis will go down as one of the best players in the history of Louisiana Raging Cajun football. Uh, and I think it's not only what he does on the field – I think it's how he conducts himself off the field. Yeah, Billy, I don't think there are too many times that I've ever heard a head coach of a college program saying that his player, one of his players, made him a better man. That is the highest praise imaginable. So when you say that and you talk about him being a man on a mission this year, does that focus, that drive, that passion, that intensity, is it infectious and does it get passed on to everybody around him? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you if you look around in the game of football – you know, the teams that are having continued success, right? They, the quarterback is such a, um, he's the engine. You know, he's the guy that galvanizes the team, right? His approach, um, you know, look at Tom Brady's transition from the New England Patriots to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, there's numerous stories, right, around uh, in the history of this game at every level. You know, the quarterback uh, affects your team in so so many ways so uh, we're fortunate to have a great one you know and a guy that's done an outstanding job leading our team and our entire organization Billy Napier is joining us so now you're in the top 25 there's going to be even more attention on the program more noise surrounding the program so what are you talking to your players about with regards to that do you want them to enjoy that attention or do you want them just to shut it out completely well, we're really trying to – we've used the analogy of climbing the mountain, right? So I think, uh, 
you're not meant to stay at the top, right? The air is thin. You take a little time, you enjoy the view, uh, and you go back down to the bottom and you start over. You know, I think the the best view comes after the hardest climb, right? So, you know, each week um, we've kind of got to start over. You know, we got to kind of compartmentalize and focus on the task at hand. Each one of these matchups is different. Um, you know, the result will be determined. It won't be determined uh, by anything that's happened in the past. You know, we got to get ready for each one of these games uh, and have a complete focus on that. So, um, you know, we've got veteran players. I think we've got great leadership um, amongst our staff. Uh, and I would like to think that, you know, we've got enough maturity to handle the next challenge, and certainly that's what we're going to try to do. All right, so you're, you're having that conversation with a lot of young guys who may or may not be accustomed to it, and you're saying this is the way we want to approach it. You want to stay locked in. You want to compartmentalize. You want to be where your feet are. You want to worry about the day. Win the day. Get ready for the game. And then, Billy, what happens, though, when that same sort of thing kind of comes at you the same way? When you have the success that you've had, when you've built a program that you've built, you know that phone's going to ring. How do you approach the attention and the noise when it comes to you? Well, I think it's about loyalty to me, you know. I mean, um, you know, I, I work hard for the people in our building, you know, for our players, for our staff. Uh, if I'm doing anything independent of – uh, my very best, you know, for our team and organization, the players and the staff, then I'm not doing my job. So it's about loyalty to me, right? And I think um, I doing, you know, I think you got to take an approach where you're maximizing every opportunity to improve um, and certainly juggling those things at the same time because it's certainly out there and we've been through it the last couple of years. So, to me, it's about loyalty, and I, and I want to do my very best for our team. All right, so before I let you go, last night you did. That means that win clinched your fourth straight division title. There may be unfinished business, but that is a division title, four in a row. What's that number mean to you? How much pride is there for you in that number? Well, it's just the next step. You know, it's something uh, that we needed to do. Um, you know, it, it was a specific mission, right, and it's um, – certainly part of the big picture here relative to where we want to go and what we want to accomplish. It was something that we needed to do. Uh, now the next challenge will be to secure home field advantage. Uh, we've got three games left. Two of those three are conference opponents. Uh, and they'll, they'll, you know, de- they'll determine, you know, whether or not the championship game is at Cajun field in the swamp. Louisiana's 8-1. They're undefeated in conference play, as I mentioned. Got a little bit of time. Next game is November 13th at Troy. Their head coach, Billy Napier, 2019 Sunbelt Coach of the Year. Billy, great to have you on the program. Always good to talk about that program. Good luck, and I appreciate the visit. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you covering our team, man. So, how is everybody living? What's going on? Welcome to the jungle. A very good Monday to you. I am live. I'm in Southern California. I am Jim Rome. All right, starting with the NFL. Let me throw some names at you right quick. Cooper Rush, Trevor Simeon, Mike White. The hell are those three guys? Mike White takes the snap drop. Gamble responsibly. If I did not, Janet and Logan would have come home from that college trip to an estate sale. Sweetheart. What happened? I'll see what happened. Mike White happened. The end zone. Cooper holds a Touchdown! Above them, Cowboys! Above that ginger! Six and one. And a huge win in prime time. On the road without Dak Prescott. Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable! Mahomes wanted to take off. Batted up into the air and it's intercepted! Charles Davis, our guest. Whether Patrick Mahomes is going to say it or not, and I never expect to hear something out of his mouth, he has been pressing to try and make up for what's going on with the defense. And it's affected the rest of the offense. If cats were to fall out of the sky, you'd be prepared. Goats? Cows? Anything. Sean Casey. The allegation was back in the day you were tipping two bucks a bag. The guy shows up with two bags. I give the guy four bucks. <laughs> the guy, uh, you know, gets ready to walk away, and Adam Dunn goes, did you just give that guy four bucks? I go, yeah, bro, it's two bucks a bag. He goes, not when you're making $8.5 million, it's not. <laughs> Email. I'm a huge Tommy Smothers fan. Who is this idiot? If you are, in fact, a huge fan, you're not going to like this answer. I know you're some sort of a legend from some kitty show that you did 40 years ago, but I said, how about you and your F-bombs and your yo-yo? Hey, Take it all away. Bruce Feldman. Bruce, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Good to be on with you today. 
It's good to have you, too. I want to make sure our connection is good, Alvin, so crank that up a little bit. So many things to talk about. Let me first ask you about Michigan State and how they came from So, yes, I am well aware that a special team's significant other's exotic dancing handle might be the pole assassin, and they might have a monkey. This is why I don't sleep at night. Twitter. I had to pry the monkey's jaws open to get it off that candy beggar's face. There's a better method. Pete Gabriel. Email. I hope the pole assassin punished that bad monkey. We would have spanked it. Pee Wee Herman, Jamal Anderson, Reese McGuire, Tubes, and Private Winslow. I don't private, make private, Rasul Douglas, great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good, bro. How are you doing? Good. What was your focus on that play? I knew the ball was coming to me, so I just tried to make sure I was in a good position to make a play on the ball. John, brother, what's going on? All this talk about monkeys, monkeys got me jacked up. I am riveted to my phone. This has been one of the best days ever in the jungle. In fact, I think I might be inspired to fly back to Cleveland and have lunch with the monkey. Lunch with the monkey. Lunch with the monkey. Lunch with the monkey. Are you vaccinated? Yeah, I've been immunized. Availability is your best ability. If you're not vaccinated and you test positive, and you miss a game or games, that's different. What is the worst that could happen if I don't get vaccinated? The answer is Blake Bortles. Will Brinson. This is not about the vaccine. This is not about your belief about COVID in general. This is about a quarterback who now is going to miss 10 days of football. The Atlanta Braves are world An 88-win team. Nothing fluky about that world championship. Even if the entire world outside of the ATL was waiting for them to choke, they didn't do it. Why? You got a whole team of bad bitches. Enjoy that, ATL. You earned it. Amanda. I love your beefs. So my girlfriend went to a neck pain specialist. She suggested breast reduction surgery. Oh. What? what? Speaking of beef, it's Wednesday, and I'm already thinking about the greatest hamburger in the world. I found the greatest burger in the world. I don't know why this hotel has the best hamburger in the world, but this hotel has the best hamburger in the world. Mm. He is Steve Smith Sr. I'm happy where I'm sitting, and right now I'm sitting in Indy, you know, watching TV, talking to one of my favorite guys, Jim Rohn, and bro, I'm sitting in a t-shirt, underwear, and socks. I mean, life ain't bad. My man. I just want to be real. I'm a desert dog. They call me T-Rush. Whoa, 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 whoa. T-Rush. Why? Because uh, my, my name's Terry, and my last name's Rush. Ah. Holy crap. His name is Terry Rush. Toast my man. Brian Weber. Weber's a pro. You keep his name out your mouth. Those McRibs are not going to eat themselves. Out of here. J-E-T-S, tank, tank, tank. <laughs> telling the new guy that oral sex is okay is not okay. Sex with me. Tristan, buddy, buddy. needed the night out wrong. Billy Napier, he joins us. I'm doing great, Jim. I appreciate you covering the Raging Cajuns, man. <laughs> Sweetheart. What is that Uber sticker doing on my car? All right, Jim, man, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Fathead pet. Wow. Tommy Smothers. Get even. A relationship with the mighty 690. You got to be kidding me. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you. Oh, it must be free then. I love the monkey talk. Emotional support monkey. Emotional support monkey. Emotional support monkey. Good night now. Good night now.